Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. Mother's Day is around the corner, and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. You're listening to episode 31 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hi there, and thank you for tuning in. Now, if you follow me on social media, you know that my personal motto is to live less out of habit and more out of intent. That's what we're talking about today. Today, my guest is Jen Panero. She's a blogger and a mother of two with a full-time job, and she's gotten really, really good at rethinking the status quo. We talk about how living based on intent and saying no to things that aren't intentional is like flexing a muscle. It gets easier the more you exercise it. Jen brings some practical first steps for anyone who feels as though they're living out of habit, and she gets really real, which I found both refreshing and inspiring, and I'm pretty sure you will too. Now, today's show notes, as always, they're pretty good. You can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 031, M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 031. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Today we are talking about the art of saying no. And I found that saying no, it really is an art, right? A lot of times we say yes to things simply out of obligation. And so 
Let's start by you telling us about yourself and how you got comfortable saying no. Um, So I am married and I have two boys who are six and four. And I work for a professional services firm. I've worked for them for many years. And then I blog. I've been blogging on the side for um, about five years. So, um, and that blog, like all good lifestyle blogs, it sort of starting it started out as a kind of flailing fashion blog <laughs> way back when. Um, I started, and, and this is kind of how I ended up in the sustainable space. It's a little bit of a long story, but. As I was doing the fashion blog, I started seeing some easy DIYs and upcycled fashion tutorials that I thought were really interesting. And this kind of, I ended up in secondhand stores looking for pieces that I could use to play around with. And in those secondhand stores, I started finding some really interesting things. So I would find like this, you know, I think at one point I found a uh, DVF dress for $17, brand new, tag still on it. I still have the dress in my closet. And it only took a couple of, you know, finding the diamond in the rough kind of gems that got me hooked. And I really, really liked it. So I started learning more about secondhand shopping, sustainability, and fast fashion. And as my interest in knowing the sort of sustainable side of fashion, it's, it expanded into the rest of my life. So that's it's, it's kind of started with clothes and then worked its way out. And as I was learning more about just kind of sustainability, eco-friendly living, simplifying, decluttering, all that good stuff, uh, we were living in downtown Chicago at the time in a high-rise apartment. And we didn't have a lot of space while we were there. We sort of, we brought our two boys into our, into our life. I had the the two boys. And so that sort of primed us for not having a lot of stuff. We didn't have a lot of extra space to just keep things around just in case. So these two things were kind of happening at the same time. I was getting interested in secondhand and at the same time, understanding and kind of getting used to really thinking about, do I need this? Do I have space for this? Probably not. Um, Those things merged into developing an interest in just simplifying, minimizing, and thinking about what do I really need and, you know, what really isn't serving me. Um, so I started, you know, reading some more blogs and reading resources about all this stuff. And eventually I, I started, I kind of realized a lot of this was really great, but I didn't feel like it applied to families all that well, or I felt like it was really hard to apply to families. So I decided to use my blog space to kind of take what I was learning, synthesize it and make it accessible to kind of everyday families. So not something where you had to really make these massive lifestyle changes, but how could we apply these principles in a way that didn't really take us out of the mainstream? I feel like you are my soul sister in some ways because you talk about minimalism and sustainability through the lens of being a mom. And I like to call my version of minimalism incremental minimalism because I've found that it is nearly impossible with two young kids, I also have two young kids, to drastically uproot your lifestyle. So I'm all about small changes. Would you say that that works for you and your family? Yes, definitely. So I think we we have started to make cha- – I mean, I, yes, I definitely believe that that's true. So I think we're making changes over time. It's really slow. Uh, one of the things that I – the analogies that I kind of use is choosing to, I guess, or sort of moving forward towards a sustainable or minimalist life is kind of like picking fruit from a fruit tree um, in the sense that 
you always sort of start with the low hanging fruit. So start with what's easy, start with things that are the most comfortable. And then over time, as those easier things become habits or become sort of ingrained in your daily life, then move on to the next step of, okay, maybe I can try something new, or maybe I can start reaching for the fruit that's a little bit higher, or, um, you know, maybe I can get on a ladder and start reaching the fruit that's in the middle of the tree. But, uh, you know, to, to think about approaching a fruit tree and going for that very top apple first or trying to get everything off of the tree all at once just seems really overwhelming. And so, yes, we definitely start with the small changes. We start with what's easy and then use those as building blocks for the next changes that we want to make or the next kind of area that we want to tackle. And, and I think too, at least for me, at some point, we get to kind of an inflection point where the costs outweigh the benefits. And the work to pick the last 5% of the apples from the very top of the tree, like just isn't worth the apples that are at the top of the tree anymore. So I think it's is in, in taking those small steps, we have an opportunity to reflect kind of at each um, crossroads or, you know, as we're going through each step to say, is this serving me well? Is this working for us? Do we need to make some modifications? Okay, we found a way that this works. Now let's move on to the next thing. And eventually we'll get to, you know, to a point where we'll say, okay, this, this works. Um, I think that we have found a place where we're comfortable with the balance that we have between sustainability and kind of your, your mainstream status quo. Speaking of the status quo, on your website, you mentioned that you're all about rethinking the status quo. What does that look like in your daily life? Generally, I think so. So, rethinking the status quo for me looks like asking myself questions when I'm about to go do something or buy something, reflecting, you know, maybe it's momentarily, maybe it's subconscious. Sometimes it might be a really long process, reflecting on whether or not that's really what I want or that's just the easy answer or that's just what everyone else is doing. So, um, kind of a hot topic, I think, at least what I've seen in the sort of minimalist family spaces, birthday parties. And this is an area where we've thought, my husband and I have thought long and hard about what we want a birthday party to look like. So there are lots of other, you know, kids in our, um, boys classes who are having big birthday parties and they invite the whole class and they have a really big, you know, celebration. And that's really great that that works for them. And I don't have a problem with that. And we go and we have fun and that's, you know, that's perfect. But that we knew that that wasn't going to work for us. And so instead of just kind of doing what everyone else was doing and saying, okay, the status quo is that you have this party and you invite the whole class and you do all these things. We said, what does the birthday party look like for us? What do we want this birthday party to look like? So first of all, we didn't have birthday parties for our kids until they were old enough to ask. Once they, once they were old enough to ask, we said, sure, you can invite, you know, four or five friends. They can come over to our house. They can play. Um, we have done the no gifts thing, which I know, you know, some people are comfortable with, some people aren't. Um, for the most part, it's worked pretty well, but we're not afraid to question what, you know, why, why are we doing this? Or do we really want to do this? Um, does this really make sense for us? Yeah. My personal motto is to live a life based on intent instead of habit. And it sounds like you're essentially saying that with different words, right? I just had a question about your children and whether they're old enough to push back or if they're not pushing back yet. I think you said they're six and four. Have you thought about what your answers will be when they inevitably do push back? 
<laughs> yes, I have thought about it. One of the things that I've thought about a lot is because we started thinking about this, these, you know, making decisions intentionally when our kids are really young, they don't know the difference yet. And I've thought about how would I help someone whose children are older and who are used to a different um, set of circumstances make a change? Because that's definitely harder. So I've started to think about, you know, where do my kids push back? Push back? My younger one, he's four. I wouldn't say he push back. He pushes back all of that much. Um, the one who's six, he definitely pushes back in some ways. I would say he pushes back in terms of um, even some simple ways. Like we might see it at the grocery store. You know, they want to buy all sorts of prepackaged junk. Um, that's really not what I want. So we might make a compromise. And when we go to the grocery store, I and this is actually what we do pretty much every time. I go in and I say, "You guys are allowed to buy. What you're allowed to choose one." snack that you want. Sometimes I encourage them to go to the bulk aisle and I take them there first and might even just, you know, skip the the other aisles that I don't want them in and just sort of not even remind them that they're there. Um, So sometimes it's leading them in a way where I'm giving them a choice, but doing it within guardrails that I think are okay. Sometimes they do push back and sometimes I say no. And sometimes I say, yes, I think there's, there's a compromise. Toys is another one where they want to buy certain things and I don't want those things in my house. You know, they're, I mean, they're always asking, they're seeing commercials or they're, you know, we're walking through Target and they're seeing toys that they want. So sometimes I just say no. Oftentimes it's more redirecting them to, you already have this at home or, okay, we can get something today, but let's try one of these options instead. The other thing too is that we definitely talk about things like wasting food and wasting water, or we already have enough of those. Um, My six-year-old definitely is asking me questions like, well, my friends have this. How come I can't do this? And we have a principle in our house, which is different families have different rules. It's a mantra that I just keep coming back to. Different families have different rules. And I tell them that all the time. I think when my kids get older, they're going to say, oh my gosh, do you remember when mom used to say different families have different rules? (laughs) But, you know, and I remind them too, when there's something that they don't have, I also say, yeah, but think about, you know, you do have this, or we did do this, or, you know, I don't think your friends are doing X, Y, Z. So trying to just remind them, whether it be through discussion or examples of kind of where we're headed and not necessarily setting it as rules in terms of we can never do these things, but hey, what about this? Maybe this is another option or this is better and here's why. Um, I'm hoping that as my kids get older that that might work, but I guess that we'll see. You know, like it, it is fair. It is a fair criticism. My kids are only four and six, so they, they aren't pushing back a whole lot. And I'm sure once they're teenagers, they'll, they'll be asking for a lot more things that they're not asking right. for now. How old are your kids? Uh, four and one. So I'm getting no questions yet, but I know they're coming and, <laughs> and I'm yeah. struggling to prepare. <laughs> the birthday party thing was an interesting one at my house. We did have a party, but my four-year-old received no presents. And she did ask afterward why she didn't open presents and it tore my heart out. So that's one of those instances where I'm second guessing myself. So I love to just hear from other parents on the same journey as myself and to gain wisdom. (laughs) On episode 26 of this podcast, my guest, her name was Anna Seawald. She made a strong case for slowing down and saying no to commitments and just 
generally taking a step back and out of the rat race. She really argued that kids thrive when they slow down. And she got me thinking because if kids thrive when more relaxed, I'm willing to bet it's, of course, same for adults too. How does rethinking the status quo relate to saying no to things that you may or may not feel obligated saying yes to? Sure. Yeah. So I think this is one area where I see where, where saying no comes up a lot. Um, and I'll give you one example for my kids and then one example from me personally as an adult. So the first one is extracurricular activities. There are endless options for my kids to be doing things. And and my kids are asking me, they're very interested in lots of different things. So um, my older son, he's asked me, you know, they're really into sports. They've asked to learn how to play piano. They've asked to learn how to sew. They've asked to learn just so many things. I mean, it's endless. And what we've done is limit the number of activities that they are allowed to participate in. And it depends on what those activities are. There's not a set number where we say, yes, you can, you know, you can do two sports every um, season, or you can do one sport every season or, you know, whatever it may be. It depends on what it is. I mean, there are some times where we sign up for something and it's three days a week. And there's other times where it's, you know, only an hour on a Saturday. So we look at those commitments and generally I would say we try to limit it to maybe like a couple weeknights and maybe one thing on the weekends. And other than that, we try not to schedule them for anything else. So there have definitely been times where my son has come home and said, Hey, can I do this after school club? And I said, well, you're already doing one. So when this one is over, you can start the new one. Or um, last fall, he asked us, there were three sports that he wanted to play at one time. I said, you can only play two. What, what two do they want? What two do you want to choose? Um, so he was able to make the choice of which ones he wanted to do, but it was within, again, within those guardrails of what we thought was acceptable, which was two. So we have definitely said no to extracurricular activities. And we're starting to get to a place, um, like I said, my older son, he really, really likes playing sports. And even at six, we're already getting into the questions of, is he going to fall behind if we don't do the extra clinic or if we skip a season or if he doesn't show up at all of the games? So we're, we're getting into that already and we're having to really be conscious about reminding ourselves, my husband and I, like, he's not going to be a professional athlete. I mean, maybe he is, who knows, but probably not, right? And does he really need to be doing all of these things? And so he's asked, again, he's asked us, hey, how come my friend gets to do this extra clinic? And we say, you know, you already have too many things on your calendar. You chose this instead of that. And just reminding him that these limitations are built in. Um, so I think from the, the extracurricular activity area is one area where we see it a lot. Um, from, a, from an adult perspective, it's projects at work and projects also with the projects with the blog is really big. So um, those are areas where I find myself saying no a lot. So in terms of work, my perception is there's this status quo that you're sort of always trying to be promoted and always moving forward and always trying to get raises. And I have actually taken a step back at work. So my husband is, you know, he's the one who he really loves his career and he is really excited about sort of moving up and taking on more responsibility. And to have two parents doing that, at least for us, was just really not sustainable. So I opted to, you know, I stopped attending kind of the 
the outside after work networking events. Um, I got to a place where I found like I would sign up for them and then I would just not show up. And that happened maybe a handful of times. And I reflected and thought, why, why am I not showing up to these events? I mean, I signed up, they're on my calendar. I just wasn't interested anymore. So I, you know, my priorities changed. Um, I wanted to be home in the evenings with my family. And so I said, you know what? I'm okay stepping back, slowing down with my career and taking a different role in my company that, you know, is still valuable to my company, but isn't necessarily on the fast track to, you know, getting the next promotion or being in the next leadership position. The benefit of having less chaos at home has been worth it. So I think rethinking that status quo, a sort of always needing more and needing better and having to be promoted and advancing your career, like it's okay to slow down. It's okay to um, relax and, you know, let some things go. Our, our culture definitely doesn't reward slowing down. It's always go, go, go on to the next. I'm wondering whether you've ever second guessed your decisions to pull back professionally. Um, so there have definitely been moments where I've thought to myself, you know, this is, is this frustrating? Is this really what I want? Um, you know, would it be really great to take it to the next level? And to be honest, that lasts for a couple of days at the most. And then I get back into the groove with my family and have a day at home with my kids or have a night where, you know, I made dinner and we got to sit down and have a a nice dinner together. And it just sort of all comes back to, this is what I need. Um, This is what's working for us. And so, yes, I've definitely had those moments, but usually there's something that follows a day or two, or maybe maybe a week later, that reminds me that I've made the right choice. It sounds to me like rethinking the status quo, and more importantly, going against the status quo and staying against the status quo, that takes significant courage and also an underlying deep confidence. What else does it take? I definitely think it takes support from the people that are around you. If my husband wasn't on the same page that, you know, one of us taking a step back was important, I think that would be really difficult. My family, you know, in terms of like my parents and siblings, when I have conversations with them, you know, we'll have conversations where we sort of reflect on what's going on at work and what's going on in life. And they're really supportive too of the decisions that I've made. I think that's really, you know, that's really helpful. Does saying no and backing away from commitments get easier the more you do it? Yes, I definitely think that it does. <laughs> um, I think, you know, with with anything in life, practice makes you better at it. I wouldn't say that it ever gets easy necessarily. I think there's always going to be situations and people that will challenge what you're doing. And I don't necessarily mean directly challenging me. Um, there is some of that. I mean, I have had people say, hold on, like, do you, are you sure that's what you really want to do? Um, so I think that there's always going to be some of that where you're going to have to continue to kind of, I don't want to say defend your choices, um, but you're going to continue to have to say no. But at some point, if you're saying no, not only do you have practice, but certain things start to become habits. So for example, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a small example, but when it comes to shopping, right, I used to go and I used to shop for fun and I, I liked it. I don't really even enjoy it anymore. That desire as I 
decided to say no to that, the desire just sort of fizzled away. I don't really have an interest in it anymore. So when things start to become habit, I think that makes it easier. And then also, if you're consistently saying no to the same things, people will start to expect that from you. So um, I think gifts is probably a really good example or a really easy example to relate to. Over time, you know, family and friends, if they understand, oh, you know, they always have birthday parties and they don't ask for gifts or, you know, when Christmas or holiday time comes around, um, we don't say no gifts on the holidays from family, but we offer them suggestions of, hey, here's a few things that might work really well. It's gotten to the point now where, I mean, our family just, they know, hey, we're, we're just going to ask them for some suggestions. We know that they don't necessarily want these certain types of toys or, you know, that's not really what they're looking for. So I think that makes it easier, the practice, the habits, and then also that just people start to expect certain things um, makes that process of saying no easier. What tips or first steps would you offer to people who would like to take a step back in all aspects of their lives? The first step that I would definitely say is start small. So, you know, you mentioned incremental lifestyle changes, and I think that's hugely important. I think that taking on too much all at once <laughs> is it's overwhelming. And and really it kind of defeats the purpose of the minimalism, right? Like I think we're trying to kind of peel back the onion and get rid of the things that are overwhelming or causing us stress to then go and take on a whole bunch of challenges to implement new lifestyle changes will probably be equally as unsustainable. So taking small steps and and also taking starting with the easy steps. So like I mentioned before, for me, starting in my closet was easy because it's clothes. They're not particularly sentimental for the most part. It doesn't impact anyone else. The decisions I make are mine and mine alone. So I don't have to worry about other people kind of pushing back in that area. Thinking about the areas in their life where it will be easiest to get started and they can make small steps, I would start there. And then over time, they can use that practice and use those small changes as kind of a foundation to build on going forward. And then the other kind of piece of advice I guess I would offer or, or thought is I think sustainable li living or you know minimalist living, I think it looks different for everyone. So seeing what other people are doing or maybe there's you know influencers or kind of leaders in the area, um, using them as inspiration or using their ideas as maybe guidelines or baselines, and then realizing that that's not necessarily what your life has to look like, but using maybe influences or leaders in the sustainable or minimalist movements as inspiration, but not necessarily feeling like your life has to look exactly like theirs, because I think sustainability is going to look different for everyone. So what works in your life might not be what works for everyone else, but you can use those other people around you or those other influences as ideas of things to try or um, influence, you know, inspiration for, I could do something similar. Uh, I think that, that that's really going to be key is thinking about how the sustainability will work for you and making modifications so that it's sustainable, really, right? So that there's, it, it has longevity and it's not creating its own new stresses in terms of trying to be or trying to force something that doesn't work in your life. Mm, those are excellent suggestions. Thank you so much. Where can listeners find more of you? 
the best place to find me is on my blog, Honestly Modern. And, um, and then in terms of social media, Instagram is definitely my favorite social media channel. Um, I'm also active over on Facebook, but Instagram is kind of where I have the most fun. So, and there's, there's, there's some different things over on Instagram that don't necessarily make it to the blog. I'll link to your website and all your social media handles in the show notes. Jen, thank you so much for this conversation. It's really been eye opening to me and I look forward to reflecting on your wisdom and applying a lot of it to my own life because <laughs> I don't necessarily consider myself a people pleaser, but if I'm honest, I definitely do follow the status quo out of obligation or out of fear of missing out. And you've really kind of given me the confidence to just start saying no. So <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jen Panero. You can find links to her blog and her social media handles. Her Instagram is pretty good in today's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero three one. My family just got back from vacation. So on next week's episode, we are talking about what I like to call the vacation sensation. You know that feeling you have on vacation where all is right in the world, you're utterly relaxed, you have not a care in the world? We are talking about how we can recreate the vacation sensation at home with research-backed tips and tricks. Stay tuned. Take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.